0: This week's podcast is sponsored by the Bowers & Wilkins 600 Series 3. The eighth generation of one of Hi-Fi's most acclaimed ranges features some of the most comprehensive upgrades the 600 Series has ever received. The Bowers & Wilkins 600 Series 3 is designed for every music lover. It's the attainable way to experience the joys of true sound at home. Discover more at BowersWilkins.com hello and welcome to the
1: av forums movies podcast for monday the 20th of november 2023 tonight i'm joined by tom davis that's me and mark costello ideo everyone this week tom talks about the excellent salt burn at the cinema mark investigates spielberg's stunning debut with duels collector's edition steelbook 4k i find out if uh, mutant mayhem is the best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? It is. covering the 4K release? Yeah. All right, it is. Everyone can go home. <laughs> Spoilers! Um, plus, we sweep through a bunch of streaming releases and upcoming 4K titles, and we discuss TV. Has streaming TV surpassed, or at least drawn on par with theatrical movies?
2: No. No. Next.
3: <laughs> Great. It's going to be one
2: of of those nights. We have finished the podcast in
3: record time. Thank you and
2: good night, everyone.
3: All right. Well, give (laughs) us some
1: competitions first, at least before everybody (laughs) goes.
2: Oh, go on then. All right. So you lucky people out there, you can win a pair of Astell & Kern UW100 Mark II true wireless earphones, courtesy of av.com. You can also win a Humax A1 4K Ultra HD streaming box and a bundle of three Humax Wi-Fi smart plugs. You can also win the brand new Wharfdale DX3 HCP, courtesy of Peter Tyson and IAG, and that's worth a lovely £500. Uh, And finally, if you are uh, lucky enough to live across the pond, as they say, open exclusively to our US members. There's a $500 voucher from MPB up for grabs as well. So have at it with those, everyone. However, if you, you are a patron, there are some other... Competitions that are open just for you, you lucky people, and they include the Star Trek Picard final season on Blu-ray, which was excellent. uh Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.11 thrice upon a time on limited edition steelbook Blu-ray. I got my one of those today. I I can't wait. Can't nice, wait. nice. Uh well, Kaz also couldn't wait for Santa Claus the movie on 4K. He, Kaz? <laughs> you love that. Uh, but but for those who aren't Grinches, enter that competition and win it because actually it's nowhere near as bad as Kaz said. He's just miserable. Uh, you can, however, uh, Kaz was right about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, which you can win on Blu-ray, Barbie on Blu-ray, and uh Second Sight, the delicious. Trilogy of the Ginger Snap set, Chopper, and the Halloween set, which includes The Witch and Texas Chainsaw Massacre on 4K and BD. So head over to avforums.com forward slash competitions to enter. And as ever, all competitions are open to eligible AV Forums members, residents in the UK. Kaz, over to you.
1: Nice. Supporter Jay Finney won Inside Man on Blu-ray. Supporter on One Door on Blu-ray. Supporter Don Rogers Tash won Visible Secret on Blu-ray star supporter oh there's a big blank in there star supporter mikey cubed won the very big fat 30 film oh well done yeah i know imagine that that was that was some good work there i think he's he gonna have to pay for postage
2: for that. on not. That, he we're not we're not paying for postage on that bad boy i, always, I
1: have but... a feeling it's not leaving the house if <laughs> i'm honest but you know seeing as Seeing as no one will hear that, yeah. I think it's fine That's to say. 30 bits of paper with digital codes on this way <laughs> are, are being emailed over to MikeyCube as we speak. Yeah, I think he'll be he'll be chuffed when he gets that. Star supporter go to well go sub one uh, Transformers Rise of the Beasts on 4K Ultra HD. I mean, everything sounds a bit low-key after that i can't really compete yeah. with the uh, yeah. you know but anyway star star sports account jedi won uh, justice league times rwby Superheroes and huntsmen part two on Blu-ray. How do you say it, Tom? Ruby. That's a mouthful. Okay, there you go. Ruby, thank you. It's, I know I get it's red I could see you go. crossing your head. Yeah. No man,
3: it's ah oh, man, Ruby. Geez, just it's not it's not that's a whole other discussion for another time. Well, um,
1: well he won the first part, so he's got the second part now. So oh, good for him. Um people who bought us a coffee, Mr. Black seventy-nine, uh I could actually deal with the one right now. Uh, and John BN one. Thank you. you. So let's have some movie news and reviews.
2: Burn that baby.
1: Slim Pickens at the cinema, but Tom was wowed by Saltburn, which is the sophomore. I'm going to steal your thunder here, Tom, by just reading what I wrote earlier. Okay. Um, The sophomore directorial. Vehicle from Emerald Fennel, who played the younger, I didn't know this, the younger Camilla in The Crown. Sure a few did. Years back. Yeah. And whose directorial debut, this bit I did know, was the tremendous, promising young woman, Carrie Mull- Mulligan, which, which was she a, won...
3: a staff writer for Killing Eve as well.
1: Yeah. She won best original screenplay for that. So obviously, all eyes on this. And you went to see her and
3: loved it. I absolutely loved it. It I it's um one of my favorite films of the year. I'm oof, not not as um technically accomplished and not as um polished as for example Killers of the Flower Moon earlier in the month. Um but just for the the gumption of it and just for the balls of it, it it's absolutely fantastic. It it's um it's a a really interesting second movie uh, from her after promising young woman, which is a movie that sort of tricks you into enjoying the revenge fantasy that most of the plot is based around. And then just like gives you a huge slap at the end for enjoying (laughs) that and saying, why are you enjoying this? This is terrible. Um and Saltburn does a really, really similar thing um but just in a in a very different way so it's um essentially a modernized retelling of the Evelyn War novel Brideshead revisited so Brideshead revisited um uh, a not a lower class but like a a not a, a not an elite um student at oxford gets sort of sucked into the lifestyle and friendship group of the super elite the landed gentry um and this is true of of brideshead and, and saltburn and the um, main character in this case is um a character called oliver quick which i always want to say oliver twist which is the whole point i'm guessing um oliver quick is um yeah lured into this friendship group and almost kept by this friendship group as a sort of pet you can see the workings like the social workings of this is the poor kid that they are friends with for laughs um and some of them are more into that than others but when summer rolls around. They sort of invite him to their ancestral home to come and be wowed by this like baroque architecture of their huge stately home, which has been in their family for hundreds of years, and uh, their their father, um, who is a lord. It's his it's his ancestral seat, and. Um, oliver is just sort of taken into this weird lifestyle of leisure like almost a surreal lifestyle of leisure that's sort of where the two stories part ways and it doesn't take that long before it becomes obvious that oliver has his own agenda although we're not really let on on what that agenda is just that the character that he presents as this impoverished, please, sir, I want some more um, completely subservient to, to the catton the family is a bit of a front. And there is something in him that is a bit devious and a bit controlling and that you get the impression that actually maybe he is playing this rich family for. The lifestyle, a way into this previously unattainable lifestyle that, um, that he's had his eye on. And from there, things just start to degenerate. So during the day, he is the meek, um, subservient, lower class, always wowed. And at night, this weird, like almost. <laughs> To, to take a scene from the film, like a vampiric character, like feeding on these rich people for what they can do for him. Uh, and that distinction just breaks down across the course of the film until it is gradually his his uh, motivations and the truth of his character and the truth of the catton family are sort of gradually revealed in a really satisfying and horrible way where you come away from it where you thought maybe you were rooting for Oliver and then maybe you thought you were rooting for the the rich guy Felix for a second and then maybe you thought you were rooting for Felix's sister. No, no one comes out of this well. Um, and it, it's just a delight to watch that unfold so confidently and with such Biting wit all the way through, it is laugh-out-loud funny all the way through. Um, there are there are lines in it that kept coming back to me days later and making just making me chuckle to myself like a maniac, which is brilliant and doesn't really happen that often. Um, and so, yeah, it's this really strange mix of quite horrible, quite nasty class satire mixed in with like a, a strange levity and surrealism, um which just works perfectly and is absolutely a, a spiritual successor to to the the novels of Evelyn War and it is Evelyn Waugh and is trying to be it name checks him at one point in the film. Um and it's just it's just a total delight. The only caveat to it is that in the final moments of the film, it feels like the film loses confidence in itself. And the film loses trust in its audience to be okay with not having all the answers. And so for a couple of minutes, it spoon feeds you all the answers exactly what has been going on exactly what everyone's motivations are and exactly what the outcomes are for everyone and for two or three scenes it is just massively disappointing it was such like a letdown at the 11th hour that that the film couldn't just let the audience go i i I think I get it and I don't like it. It has to really hammer home exactly what it's trying to say. And that was a real shame because I think a bit more ambiguity to it uh, would do it some favours. That being said, following Pro- Promising Young Woman, that is clearly not Emerald Fennell's style at all. She is there to beat you over the head with what she is trying to say and have, she's going to have fun doing it. Um and so I can I can kind of see the style, but it, it just for me, it was a bit too handholdy. Luckily, the ultimate move, uh, the ultimate scene of the movie is pure, crazy, weird, naked nonsense. So that sort of redeems it right at the end. Um, and yeah, just it, it's had one of the strongest or it's had a really strong opening anyway for for an independent film. Uh, over here and in the states and and rightly so and it would be really great to see this do well and to see it recognized as being something that is interesting um despite its uh, bluntness so yeah it's it's still on at the cinema go and go and see it for yourself um some people have come away from it saying I, this is the stupidest thing that I've ever seen, and it's so obvious. And... and and
1: some people have come out saying ten out of ten. Absolutely. And, and some other people have come out saying, "Why is it not set on the sea?"
2: So you know,
3: everybody, everybody yes. has opinions. On this it is. Order. It is not set in Saltburn on Sea. It? It's no Leeds Castle. Why That's have the, they idea. Why
1: have they filmed it at a landlocked?
3: But place? yeah, uh, it's um, to to divide opinion like that. And Hmm. to be that um, provocative is something to be celebrated, just on its own. Here, here, excellent. Well, talking about uh, provocative, or are
1: we talking about provocative or controversial, divisive films? Uh, We're not. We weren't really going to cover much of the Marvels. We did. Mark saw the Marvels, 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 Marvels. Lots of Marvels. There are lots of Marvels and uh if you read mark's review it covers everything you need to know about the marvels and if you then go onto his review thread it covers only everything you probably don't need to know about the people who haven't seen marvels so there's there's a lot going on there uh, but you know headlines i would you you know because i'm considering it this weekend taking the daughter you're gonna you're gonna give me a recommendation for this, or sit at home and wait for Disney? Come on! Well,
2: uh, so I would give you a recommendation for this because I enjoyed it. I had some fun with it, but I went in with expectations well and truly trimmed, shall <laughs> we say? It's it's very much what it feels like. Is it feels like it's a sequel to Ms. Marvel rather than a sequel to Captain Marvel? It the crazy tonal swings the lightness the levity it feels like it's it's potentially the the, there's certain bits of the script that maybe didn't make it into Ms. Marvel season two so they've they've stuffed it in in, into this uh but as such I very much enjoyed Ms. Marvel yeah yeah me too too. again it's completely non-essential it's a completely different type of light and fluffy uh kind of kind of film but it it worked and the Marvels follows that exactly it's the the joy of the Marvels is the interplay between the the three Marvels themselves between Brie Larson's uh Captain Marvel tiona parishes uh Monica Rambo and Imam Vellani's uh, M- uh ms Marvel uh shall we say and the three of them together the st- Story is hinged around the. Uh, in, in a nutshell, their light powers get entwined. So every time they use their powers, one of them uses their powers, they switch places with the other, uh, and of course, it leads to much hilarity. And the the first act set piece, where all this comes out, is actually really well done. It it's bright and breezy. It's fun. It's really well shot. Uh, it's well, not in the
1: trailer at all.
2: No, no. I, I don't know. I can't see I can't remember what Buddy bloody trailer looks like. Guys, don't have silly questions. But, but but unfortunately, the rest of the film is all a bit of a damp squib. Uh, it's gone back to the classic Marvel tropes of a really weak villain. Uh, poor old Zoe Ashton, I think, just... She's got nothing. She's got nothing to work on. It's a typical, I'm out for revenge because this bad thing happened, and I'm not going to tell you what this bad thing was, but just trust me, it was really bad, and trust me, therefore, my revenge is well
3: earned. Well, it's neither here nor there. A good actor given nothing to do as a villain in a yeah, Marvel movie.
1: Mark. Yeah, but please. you know what? You know what? From what Mark's saying, I mean, I I hear all of this, but I just what I hear at the end of this is maybe it's actually quite clever because what they've done is they've 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 released a Ms. Marvel movie without anyone noticing, and I'm I'm kind of on board with that. Yeah. You know, because if they'd have released a Ms. Marvel movie, everybody would have been going, "What? You did what? Like you put a you put this TV show star in her own movie, mm-hmm. and everyone would have been crying about that." But they didn't. They just called it the Marvels, and of course, it's about Captain Marvel. You know, and we wouldn't release a Ms. Marvel movie, of course we wouldn't. But they kind of have, like in the sense that it's a logical sequel uh, to
3: to the Marvel. It, it, to puts, the you, Marvel TV. it puts you in mind of their old. Idea of having the Inhumans have their own movie, and then they just got massively cold feet about it, didn't they? They Yeah, just, just, yeah. We ended up with the garbage on Netflix. Wasn't
1: that Prime? Prime? Was it Prime? It was. It was bad, and the IMAX tickets as well.
2: Uh, I I, I mean, so yeah, so the the film is like, like I said, I I gave it seven out of ten. I I enjoyed the lightness of it. I enjoyed the character work. I enjoyed some of the really bizarre things, like lo- lots of flirkings. I'm a sucker for a flirting, and there's lots of flirkings and they get up to all kinds of mischief in this, which I liked. Some of the other stuff I didn't. the The diversion to a planet where you can only, where the inhabitants only communicate by a song and dance. Oh, no, that, but that just didn't work for me, I'm afraid. And I liked, I liked the Star Trek episode that was the musical Star Trek episode. So that tells you something uh but also i think ultimately it's what what's what was the one of the big letdowns is once they suss out how to use this power swapping thing it kind of loses its fun you know when when they didn't have a clue what was going on they kept swapping in and everyone was all over the shop and things kept going a bit bananas it 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 it, it, it was amusing it was witty it was light the minute they start to start training it and try to string together some you know Groovy action scenes to take down, you know, you just think, oh, yeah, I've seen this before. Oh, yeah. But, (laughs) but, 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 and this needs to be said here, I I am a Marvel Stan. And at this moment in time, I'm one of the seven people in the world who actually enjoy Thor Love and Thunder. So, you know, you have uh, to take everything I've just said with a huge
1: pinch of salt. Yeah, you lost me at the last hurdle, Mark. That's what I was aiming for. You had me all the way. I was like, I enjoyed Ms. Marvel. I'd quite like to see a Ms. Marvel movie. Sounds like this is a bit bit of a backdoor into that. I'm quite on board with that. It is. I like Thor Love and Thunder. That was,
3: I'm okay with having watched that at home. Can Can you imagine how much Mark would have loved it if part of the plot had been to Time Travel back to the 1980s? Oh, man. Can you imagine? They, they don't even 10 need out to of do, 10. They don't even need to do that. Just stick the font in neon pink and have Guns
2: N' Roses play over the end credits and that's it. Jobs are good. Of,
3: bit of vaporwave in the background. You'd
1: love it. Oh, Let's just
2: skip oh. talking TV and
1: just talk about the trailers to the new Ghostbusters movie. That's, that's what it. Yes. <laughs> if, if you don't fancy going to the cinema and seeing Saltburn or going to the cinema and, and, and risking your life Seeing the marvels because I'm pretty sure there's some people on the forum thread that will find you for doing that. those uh, bad babies! Yeah, you can you can stay at home and watch uh David Finch's, uh The Killer, which, that was a hoot. Which was <laughs> there you go. It's, it's a hoot. Yeah, <laughs> it's
2: yeah. Tell it was, me, it's, tell me, it's his first comedy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean the the goofs that he makes as a hitman <laughs> are pretty laughable occasionally and <laughs> lots of people have um just just to derail slightly the yeah the killer david fincher's um uh, assassin movie on netflix um is is interesting and it's in a nutshell what if what if uh john rick john wick but a slightly goofy dude um and and um that that kind of sells it short but it also is a perfectly accurate description on it um and all the way through he he's um he takes himself the, the character takes himself very seriously and fat totally sells that like taking himself very seriously uh, and everything that he does belies his self-confidence. Uh, it's just infinitely entertaining to see him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't think ever- that was intentional. I think oh, it is. Of course, um, it is. Hundred percent is. 100% oh my god!
1: I'm going I'm to have to take uh, a while before seeing this because I've read too many comments about. If you
3: think, if you think about um, uh, Ed Norton, and Brad Pitt in Fight Club like neither of those guys is the good guy and both of them have a bad effect on the other uh, you know without spoiling fight club <laughs> uh, first rule of fight club tom is you know what the first rule of fight is <laughs> now move along <laughs> um but there's a, a similar kind of uh playfulness in the killer with with character where i think you're meant to be like this guy's a bit of an ass um <laughs> so yeah it's, it's pretty him. good
2: he listens to too many Smith
1: songs. Uh, that's what's putting
2: no, me off.
3: No, there is no such thing, Mark.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and on that note, next up, we're going to
0: talk 4K discs. If you enjoy the podcast on YouTube, then please like and subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version, then please leave us a rating on your podcast app. We invite you to email questions and feedback to podcast at avforums.com. And join in with this episode's discussion thread in the podcasts forum at AV Forums. Uh, Mark, let's
1: run through. Uh,
2: well, it's been a quiet week for 4K news, uh, but I think you'll all agree that the biggest announcement was from 88 Films. That's right, who've decided to kick 2024 in the arse. It's exactly right. They are kicking off with a huge number of announcements they're porting over a couple of vinegar syndrome horror hits the amateurville horror and a blade in the dark but most excitingly they have announced a new Tigon line now, everyone knows that that taigon was the third in the holy trinity uh, trinity shall we say of 60s and 70s british horror studios behind hammer and amicus uh, and they're only kicking off this line with the mummy and daddy of folk horror that is Witchfinder General and Blood on Satan's Claw. Get in. Just so good. Just so good. Yes. Excellent work. Uh, Eureka are bringing Stanley Kubrick's World War One* take down Paths of Glory to 4K on the 26th of Feb as part of their Masters of Cinema line. Uh, But for all, you know, there's a few people out there who may like their films a little bit newer, a little bit shinier. Uh, And so Gareth Edwards, Sci-Fi, The Creator is coming on January the 15th in lovely Steelbook and dull, old, boring, regular
3: Amore release. Sci-fi of the year. Sci-fi of the year, Mark. It is, it is a lovely-looking and sounding film. So I right, believe you. That's, that's Best how you want to sci-fi watch sci-fi in the last 0. 0.5 of a year, I'll, at least. I'll,
2: I'll, I'll believe you. At least.
3: Okay. Not, I, that's it.
2: Can, 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 can I carry on? Is, no. Are you, are you no. done now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Swiftly moving over to the US, Sony uh, are keeping those classics collections coming with volume four announced. And despite what everyone else thinks, and yes, I include you too, it's you not know, a banger. Volume four is a banger. It's not a uh, banger. It's, it's basically fine, Mark. <laughs> His Girl Friday, Kramer versus Kramer, Sleepless in Seattle, and I'm sorry, John Carpenter's Starman, 4K, Double Vision, and Atmos. That's just, that's all you need to know. Shut up and save my money.
1: 150 quid for Starman. So, d- and yes, you haven't even mentioned the one film that I would buy it for. You can
2: stick punch drunk love where it <laughs> yeah. bloody hurts, I'm telling you. It's PTA's not... worst film by a country mile. Anyway, anyway. anyway uh, Criterion are continuing to mind their library of classics with the James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart gangster just pile of humongous aceness the roaring 20s uh Robert Altman's Frosty Neo Western with Warren Beatty and Julie Christie McCabe and Mrs Miller oh, so and good. a couple of Michelle Yeoh HK actioners the Heroic Trio and the Executioners all of those are coming in February so Criterion are doing the Lord's work over there what's the betting it takes at least four years for us to see any of them
1: no, yeah. we won't see them at all.
2: And uh, as they say, that's it. There was no other 4K <laughs> announcement news at all. Absolutely nothing for us to get, We're just, just con- even remotely interested just continue in.
3: Continue waiting and waiting. Just, and waiting. Yeah.
2: just, just uh, yes. Well, should we oh,
3: talk I- about what we
1: what we want to see on 4K? Because there are a <laughs> couple of titles I, I really wanted to see. Uh, True Lies in the Abyss on 4K for a long well,
2: time. Well, yes. Yeah, so it looks like James Cameron has had enough of that Kardashian clan breaking the internet. He thought, I'm going to have a piece of that. And not only did he announce the Holy Trinity, another Holy Trinity of 4K Most Wanted titles of Aliens, True Lies and the Abyss, he's also announced re-releases of Avatar and Avatar The Way of Water. (laughs) Those are a little bit eye-opening, considering it's been, what, less than six months before the first uh, 4K releases of those. Mm. But either way, what that pretty much means is in six months, we'll have had six James Cameron titles, all put out, 4K, Dolby Vision, Atmos, everyone, quite rightly, has lost
1: their shit about they it. could They could charge a 100 quid a movie for those, and they would probably get it. I feel I, like I, I, I feel like there's a bit of marketing, a bit of a marketing snafu there because they could have released them staggered, and people would have gone nuts and bought. More people would have bought more of them rather than some people might go, "Well, I want those two, but not that one," because there are such people that exist. Mark, no, there aren't. Yeah, there are. There are people okay. who are going to buy Aliens and the Abyss and not True Lies. I'm not one of them, but there. That's are. that's me. That's probably me.
0: Yeah, see, stars.
1: so they so, but if they'd have put true lies out first, I'm still not, not, not announced the
3: others. I reckon he might have done no. it. I reckon he I'm, might have done
2: I, I mean, it, it's he's all saying. interesting.
3: I, I, mean, these... I think, I think you'll get a check disc that you'll send me in the postcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think James Cameron does check discs, he's like, I checked it myself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so i mean what's interesting about it is
2: the way the internet reacted to it so as you can imagine for about the first 12 hours after it broke it was just full of everyone going oh my lord oh my lord i never thought this day would come and then the next 12 hours were like e- yeah but those covers look a bit crap and then the next 12 <laughs> hours after that it's like yeah but you've seen that trailer it's got no grain in it oh it's another t2 fiasco oh,
1: god. and it's just like yeah. my
2: god people just be happy these buggers are coming but then again it's like what else are people going to moan about now?
1: I don't. Literally, I, don't, I mean, yeah. There's, there's, there there yeah. will be something. A, there, apart, the, yeah, there will. Apart
2: be. from the classic, you know, Connery and and more Bonds, What else
3: now are we waiting for on 4K? All Roland Emmerich movies that have ever been made. Mugs hey? like what?
2: What? <laughs> hey, yes. oh, you're you're just waiting for Anonymous, aren't you? That's your yeah. favourite Roland Emmerich
3: film. That's a good one.
2: It's true as well. Who knew? Who knew? Factual. <laughs> that, that Shakespeare, the hack,
3: the 100%. thief hack. Yeah. Anyway,
2: yeah. So there you go. Some some, some other announcements, and James Cameron decides to get off his ass and give us what we've all been clamoring for for the last two decades. Brilliant
1: job done. You're very happy, Bunny. Tell us about Jewel. That, let's see how happy you are now. Do I have to? Yeah. You mean-
2: <laughs> yes. All right. I will tell you about Jewel. The uh, the first of Universal's
1: oh, hilarious, just gonna, just hilarious
2: just gonna... <laughs> releases this week, but no, we'll 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 stick with Jewel, Steven Spielberg's uh, debut. Now, obviously, you know about the film. The very simple man plus car plus truck plus desert equals Jewel. a superbly tense thriller. No, it's not Jaws, Uh It's it it just works brilliantly because. Spielberg, I mean, it's amazing when you think that this was his first film, the way he takes th- that most barest of essentials. And even Richard Matheson's script has not a lot in it, but they fashion this film that for 90 minutes has you, what's, you know, I don't know where to look. I don't know Straight what's going to happen. I don't know where it's coming. And it still works. It really does. As a as a piece of taut, lean, tense uh, you know, a thrill ride of a roller coaster. It's absolutely is it. And its influence remains infinite. So the film itself is great. The release. So I got the. Lenticular steel book, which I believe it's called it. not just a normal steel book, it's a lenticular. Steelbook. Is it
1: really? Does it move? Does the truck chase him on the cover?
2: No, in the rear view mirror, in the rearview mirror, it's a little bit about, oh, then it's right here,
1: and then it's back again.
2: Oh, there it is again. Oh, Spielberg uh,
1: design that
2: you know, it's, it's amazing how little things still amuse me, but anyway, yes. Uh, the lenticular steelbook edition, the film transfer is fantastic for want of a better word the 4k dolby vision hdr picture looks incredibly authentic so the grain is there the fine detail is there the color pass interestingly enough when you compare it to the old 1080 it's not like uh, the, uh, there's a blanket sea change in this type of color the primaries uh, you know the the reds blues greens have a have a real boost to them but interestingly enough, what they've also done in a lot of the scenes is they've, they've cooled Dennis Weaver's skin tone down so he doesn't look like he's as sunburned as he was in the 1080p <laughs> release. So the picture quality is pretty... I mean, it's, it's nigh on perfect for, for, for the film. It looks authentic, it looks organic, and it looks natural, which is all you want. Now, when we get onto the audio, it's got a brand new Dolby Atmos track, and it is an utter beast. It doesn't sound for an instant like it's set for anywhere near 1973. It sounds like it was literally put together last week. But do you know what? It works a treat. It's huge. The, the overheads are put to real good use. When the truck starts coming up right up close to the camera, you can hear it coming in the overhead. So it really does add a sense of scale to proceedings. It, it's a fun, bassy, hefty, meaty, modern sounding track. That works within the context of the film. Bizarrely, what isn't included is the original mono track, which was included on the 1080p release. That feels like it is a glaring omission and one which purists quite rightly will say, You've given me the unadulterated picture. Why can't I get the unadulterated sound? So that feels like a bit of an own goal from Universal. However, it's not quite the own goal that they did with their much-trumpeted extra. So for the first time in HD, you were going to get the TV cut. So as you know, this was originally a TV movie. It was 74 minutes. It was going to be put out on, I think it was NBC, on a Monday night. But obviously, they took one look at it, gave Spielberg some more money and said... Stick another 16 minutes and get it in theatres. But you've not been able to have that TV cut available in HD at all. So now it's here. All over the marketing, and a lot of people were very excited about, about having this on there. However, it is no exaggeration. Well, you know me. I'm not one to exaggerate. I'm not one for hyperbole. I'm not one for histrionics. But the TV cut of this is an abomination to the eyes. <laughs> it's honestly. I'd, I'd seen the Internet lose its nut over this before I watched it. And I thought, oh, do you know what? It can't possibly be that bad. It's It looks like it's SD video that's been put through an upscaler, but a really clumsy upscaler. Every edge has a halo. There's no texture or fine detail in it at all. Everyone looks waxy and blurry and smeary, and in all honesty, I, I couldn't even watch. I couldn't watch it for five minutes. I just thought this is horrible. It, it, One of the very few things that I would term as unwatchable, but this was it. And it is such a disappointment. And especially as it long been promised and they were plastering it all over the marketing, it feels. I mean, people are saying that the original uh, negative was lost in the big universal fire from a couple of decades back. Uh, but then they've obviously... Put this algorithm on top of something. Just give us the something without any of that. Even if it's ropey old SD, it would have looked better. So that, for me, feels like a massive kick in the teeth for this release. There are other extras on there, but it's the same extras that you got on the previous 1080p. So no added value there whatsoever. And then the final nail in the coffin for this particular edition is it's, yes, the lenticular steelbook. The steelbook is nice. The only off-disc extras are a few art cards, a fold-out poster, and there's not even a book with writing in. It's a fold-out booklet with original storyboards in, which, okay, but in terms of added value, they want £40 for this. It it just doesn't strike any
3: kind of value for me whatsoever. You you had
1: me at art cards. Uh,
3: No, no. They they could have put, Richard Matheson's script in this, and it would have taken up no Done. space. Done. In, <laughs> in in so no, instantly, gen- genuinely, yeah. they yeah, I, do- get, I would be like, I believe it. I Man believe gets in it. car, <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah, gets chased.
0: Yeah, the end.
2: Truck comes along. <laughs> yeah. So so I mean I, I mean the, the 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 takeaways from this are the film itself looks and sounds amazing, but be aware it's the theatrical cut, which isn't the original cut, and it doesn't have the original mono on it it's a brand new dolby atmos track my recommendation would be if you want this and if you're a fan of duel you should get it is i'd get the bog standard 20 quid amore edition uh, i i can't recommend this 40 pound light
1: card thing no
2: know. no i can't yeah but oh,
1: lenticular man i mean too, i feel I'm like too old for lenticular i feel uh, like they they could do it for like all the spielberg's films they could have a jaws one with don't just give them a, ideas just like a C and then a barrel and then a C and then a barrel. That's just they could do. They could do uh, some fantastic. Don't lighting.
2: give them any ideas, Kaz. I mean, let's be honest. It's not like the Shortman idea for re releasing Jaws now, are they?
1: Yeah, really. Charge me forty quid. Give me an art card. The
2: Vault Part Two.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's interesting. That entire conversation sounds a lot like how I feel like I'm going to feel about Black Hat when I finally do get to see the director's cut because i've been sitting on black hat michael Mann's really odd choice of a 4k release by arrow since like march february march like the whole year i've been sitting on this i have watched it reviewed it now it's been delayed we found a new cut they you know he's been touting this new cut we found a new cut six months later we got the new cut it's coming on 1080p I don't have it because obviously they just sent the 4K disc to review. So we're going to order in the the finished cut, and then they're going to give it to me. And I'm praying to God that it's not a dual situation, because because it's it's a real catch-22, isn't it? It's either going to be a a cut that's not worth watching, in which case uh, that wasn't worth six months of waiting for, or it's going to be a cut that's worth watching, and the presentation might be naff. In which case, God damn it, why didn't you put it in 4K?
2: Well, does does man have a history of directors' cuts being that great? I mean, I've just sat through <laughs>
1: Miami Vice and Well, you, you you know what? He has a history of changing one line. Yeah. And and it, I've done a new cut. He's got yeah. like four cuts of Manhunter, and each one of them has a different line and a different single scene. I'm not saying I don't enjoy some of the scenes he's got in, and I'm not saying I don't get annoyed mm. that he's removed certain lines, particularly from heat, but he's got a history of tinkering more than director's cuts. None of them are director's cuts. He's just he's just mm. a tinkerer. But interestingly, Black Hat is a complete reshuffle. So in Black Hat, there's a key event that takes place, I think it, uh, it takes place at the in the i don't i don't remember now whether it's in the middle of the movie or at the start of the movie but it's a key event and they switched around where it was and it's a very you guys will get the reference some of all fears kind of event okay and he he changed <laughs> the placement of this event in in the movie by an entire act and as a result adr'd the hell out of everyone's dialogue And switched everything around. The dialogue sounds really odd. The structure is very different. And he released that. Okay. Now we've got his director's cut, and it's got a complete switcheroo of the first and second acts. In 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 one vital kind of key moment. So unlike almost every other director's cut I've ever seen from the guy, this one should be really different. I don't have it. Who knows? Probably upscaled SD. But you know, I'm looking forward to watching it because it's it's supposed to be very different. But hearing you talk about Jewel, it's like I'm sitting there going, yeah, I really like the Black Hat release. Is this going to ruin it for me? There's no way it's going to be a plus side because if I love this cut, all I'm going to say when I update the review is, why didn't you spend seven months and put it in 4K? If you're going to make me wait six, why didn't you wait till next year? If you're going to wait m- the best part of a year for... For delaying this, just put it in 4K. Or it's going to be a NAF cut. And I'm going to be like, yeah, good one, Tinkerer. You
3: you tell them, Kaz. You tell them. I mean, how how much confidence do we have, this sounds pretty harsh, but in Michael Mann in general currently? I mean... No, nothing, nothing. But... (laughs) Hey, but,
2: Fra- but again, Ferrari's gonna be amazing. Oh, I'm so-, <laughs> so
3: Italian. Thanks, Adam Driver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I
2: complete,
3: completely,
2: completely agree.
1: That the reason why I feel uh, like there's a there's a possibility this might work out is because this was his original cut. This was like early good Michael Mann. Okay. So there's a, there's a half a chance okay. that, that we get this isn't him coming in tinkering now. This is the cut he did first. The the studios or the the audiences went, nah. And he went, okay, well, I can change these two massive things only by redoing all the dialogue. Um I don't I don't know, but that version, I mean it couldn't be it couldn't be any the any only, more average Michael Mann than the, Black Hat is. The only um, director's
2: cut from Michael Mann I'm interested in is the key. It's the key for nothing, man. Come on, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's all I want. And while I'm at it, I want Finch's proper Alien 3 as well. Come on. No, See, we don't know. Look, well, uh, but this is the thing. Cameron's finally given us those three discs. What else are we going to want? <laughs> it's, it's like I've, I've got to i have got to got not come having up having something, something. Exactly. To need. The Keep director's cut and Alien mm. 3 director's cut. That's it. Wow. Anyway, some other stuff. Go on, Kaz.
1: <laughs> okay. Mutant Madness. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Madness and madness, mood and mayhem. I mean, like uh Tom saw it at the cinema, said it was tremendous. So much fun. Just top. pure I was, fun. All I the way was through. Absolutely sold on it, couldn't get the kids to go, had to wait painfully kids until ache. it landed on four K because they wouldn't believe me that it was good. And I was like, Tom told told me, and they were like, Who's Tom? I'm like, Tom. <laughs> they're like, anyway, they speak that was the, that truth. Was the whole that was a whole other thing, but but um, <laughs> but we watched it, and we loved it. And after watching it, they were like, yeah, Tom's right. And I was like, what about me? Oh, so you're taking uh, them to see Saltburn next week, then, are you? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, it's from the uh, Mitchells and the Machines, Jeff Rowe. And uh, the, the pitch for anyone who hasn't given it a shot or has maybe watched too many Turtles movies and they haven't ever hit the mark, is spider-verse i mean i remember first watching um spider-man into the spider-verse and i'd not seen it at the cinema and i was like yeah yeah i'm sure it'll be okay and wow it's one of the most watched movies in this household absolutely loved it phenomenally uh, innovative just a, a, a tremendous movie irrespective of being animated there's so much in there uh and we also as a household love Mitchell's and the machines and absolutely they've done it for Turtles it's a great and it's got its own flavor um it's it's got a great sense of humor to it it explores the Turtles as their most teenage self um and that works for them because they they're just a, a bunch of green teens who are really struggling to be accepted in the world around them um jackie chan he's great as the as the mentor splinter and um and they do a nice thing with jackie chan because they they do his fighting style the animated characters fighting style is just jackie chan like right down to the kicking chairs over and knocking them into people i mean it's it's I'd
3: the be. the chair fight in, <laughs> it's,
1: in it is brills. It's, so, it's, it's just, Jackie Chan. Yeah, it's just Jackie Chan. Um an ice cube. Great villain. Great, great villain. Some fabulous lines. And um yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think anyone who has seen Spider-Verse should know that that you know this is this is that for Turtles. And it's really good that they've done this because I don't think I was ever fully, fully on board with any other turtles incarnation. Not saying they haven't had their
3: places at the time, but turtles in time. Yeah, out of the shadow. I no, mean, not out of the shadows. No, turtles in teenage mutant ninja turtles three. Turtles in time is a I'm genius not, movie. I'm not oh, doing secrets it. of the ooze. I am not secrets doing of the ooze has any been of them. Pretty
1: good. Ooze. I am saying that I would see I would lap up more of these yeah it's very very nicely done the 4K is fabulous it's is what you do you would expect but they've got a lot to play with in terms of visuals uh it's very very enticing uh, Dolby Vision I mean they say native 4K native 4K in as much as the animation pipeline allows for that but the texturing is tremendous it's not not quite what you'd expect i think the uh, creators said it was a bit like they tried to bring to life the the scratchy sketches they made at school whilst doodling in the middle of class uh, and you get a real vibe for that so when when cars like do a donut that it's like scratching all over the screen it doesn't it doesn't look like any kind of conventional smoke Uh, And it's very, very nicely done. And the characters themselves have got a sort of a Play-Doh-y quality, which works really well, almost like they're stop-motion animated. Um, I think uh, think it looks fabulous in 4K, really, really pops, and it handles all the different tones superbly. Atmos Track is off the charts good. It's, um, I mean, it's a very, very bombastic film with a fabulous score. Really, really great.
3: The go soundtrack.
1: Is yes. So good. It is so good. They they've managed to blend like old and new songs superbly. I think I
3: think I said at the time, if if I didn't own all the songs individually already, I would be I would be immediately buying the soundtrack. It's, it's a it's such a, a collection really, of tunes.
1: Really great track. Fantastic bass, fantastic soundtrack. A few nice extras as well. I mean, it's a highly recommended release. It's a it's a go-out and get it release. Mm-hmm. I will. And, Next up, streaming and TV show news and our theme of the
0: week, streaming TV versus
1: theatrical movies, which we've already decided.
0: If you'd like to support the AV Forums podcast on a regular basis, then why not become a patron? Head over to patreon.com forward slash AVForums to sign up. You can also make a one-off donation through the Super Chat or via streamlabs.com forward slash AVForums. All donations help us to improve the website and the podcasts. Thank you to all our supporters.
1: Well, there's plenty of current TV to recommend. I've been catching up with the first part of the final season of The Crown with Elizabeth Debicki stealing the show as Diana and uh, also Murder at the End of the World, which is by um, the creators of The cancelled DoA. OA. And uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting so far. Well, we'll have to see how that goes. (laughs) Um, And Tom, more interestingly, is enjoying Monarch.
3: Yeah, it's so much fun. It is a Godzilla TV show. What is not to like? Even more, it's got Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell playing the same person. What is not to like? It is... Well, well,
2: apart from there's no Godzilla in it so far. Apart from that... Sure there is. He's been in it twice.
1: I mean, M- Mark's saying he's not punching anybody. Not yet. He hasn't. He hasn't punched anybody yet. No. I mean, Tom. Tommy he hasn't. He hasn't used atomic breath yet.
3: But, but, but quite frankly, he, he hasn't flown along on his tail in order to kick Megalon. No, no that's true. E- e- yes, e- I haven't exactly. seen it. Yeah. Yes.
2: And and they're keeping Godzuki back for the finale. <laughs> <You bet. laughs> uh, but, but 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 to be to be fair, you had me at Russell and Russell. Right. Yeah just they no. they are so good I... every film with one of them in has to have the younger slash older version in it just just for poops and giggles because
3: they're so ace yeah they um, and and um i said in the review that like between them they tap into something that you just don't see anymore which is like an instantly identifiable protagonist like that's the person I'm rooting for. They have a personality. Yeah, they it's are... Kurt
2: Russell. <laughs> That's the character they're playing. It's Kurt Russell. <laughs> you just... it Kurt Russell. Not yeah. Father Bloody Christmas, Kurt Russell. Although, just... to be fair, he was the coolest Father Christmas.
3: He but still. For... I mean Kurt and Goldie as Father Christmas and Mrs. Claus is pretty great. Oh, but, but...
2: now I want to go watch the Christmas Chronicles.
3: <laughs> but yeah, he they. I mean, um, the writer Matt Fraction, comic writer Matt Fraction, is involved in the creation of it, and um, his his um, Eisner winning Marvel comics and Eisner winning independent comics are all so great, and all of his strengths are on are on show in this um, in Monarch, and it's really good to see characters written and you just like you can just watch it and go i i understand their motivation and who they are immediately like you don't it's not nothing's teased out nothing is you just you just recognize people as the characters that they are supposed to be straight away and it's really sad that that is something that gets me really excited (laughs) at the moment but i just feel like i i've been longing for this um pulpy like heroic nonsense um that absolutely it's
1: really good every day for the last three days my son has been saying you know what wednesday is you know what wednesday is it's the new episode of Monarch russell day it's (laughs) It's russell day it's it's so it's so nice i mean i I know what he's saying i cottoned on after the first time but it's just nice um and it, it leads quite well into this ridiculous argument I'm making that I'm probably on the same side as you two about. But it's interesting that Monarch does a lot of things that none of the movies were able to do. Oh, 100%. None of the movies like, could none get the character them, interaction. Stuff, no, right? none of And they had some people. They had some Bryan Cranston. They had some. They had some people on board for these movies. Like... Hmm. Across all of them, they tried new ones. They tried returning ones. They tried young ones. They tried old ones. They tried... They had characters in all of these, and the most interesting characters were uh, a uh, giant gorilla scratching his bum in the shower and a uh, atomic breath lizard.
3: In fairness, that's, that's sort of what you want from the film, but also it would have been nice to have... Hang, hang on a minute... Yeah, go on. Tell go on, me, tell um, me yeah. who, tell
2: me which character. Skull, it...
3: Skull Island
2: had a. I mean, for starters, uh, it, it had Brie Larson, and and you know she didn't instantly annoy me.
3: So, and, and... that's the first.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah,
3: I mean it's very, it's very, and I I don't mean this in like the superhero industrial complex way, like, but Skull Island is very comic booky. Yeah and and that's not a criticism that is one of the things that makes it brilliant yes um but the the characters in this feel feel more feel less like um just just creations they they feel more like people which which i would say is the difference between this and skull island no 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 totally and like you like you were saying tom you
2: know if you've got two hours to create a kaiju movie you've got to Mm -hmm. stuff it full of kaiju haven't you so (laughs) pretty much everything else is solely
1: to serve
2: the getting to the next kaiju scene so i can understand why the human characters are so piss poorly written in the majority of those those films Uh, but also you can then understand why when suddenly you go right i've got six hours now have i instead of two right so do you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna put the same amount of time that would in a film, but just into the characters here. Oh, but look, I've got I've got four hours to do it. Sure, but um, if you
1: do that for six hours and you inject some crazy flip camera, Neo Tokyo, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kaiju battles in there that sear across the screen in 4K Dolby Vision with Dolby Atmos in the background, you might just have close to the best of both worlds there. I, I yeah. so so I love movies and I love cinema. And uh, there was a time when I was seeing a lot of movies at the cinema, like a lot. I'm sure that there was a period where it was like two a week. It was a painful time for my bank balance. Uh, it, it's interesting because that time was a time when TV had a different place and a lot of movie actors wouldn't ever go near TV. And a lot of TV wouldn't ever stray from the episode of the week format because it didn't want to didn't want to risk alienating an audience that might dip in and dip out or something. So just gave you, you know, a one-shot every week, you know, Monster of the Week style. Obviously things have evolved, but we, you know, like we talk about with Monarch, I mean, if they if they injected a uh, a kong versus godzilla level of action and effects which are clearly
3: capable of we've from... got we've got like eight hours to i'm sure mm. yeah something so big so is so something
1: happen. big will happen so it's so i guess i'm wondering it's a bit of a mess when it comes to movies at the moment some of the best movies that we watch are smaller indie films or more thoughtful scorsese movies as the exception, because he's one of the few filmmakers who gets essentially indie movies made on a hundred million dollar budget. Um I don't know, I don't know whether you know you come to come to for good sci-fi, and I'm looking at the expanse. I'm looking at for all mankind, I'm I'm looking at you come for clever ideas, and I'm looking at severance, you come for monsters, I'm looking at monarch, you come for horror, and I'm looking at how usher and stranger things you come for superheroes looking at one division and loki which uh, and i appreciate their different scale to the movies but wonder vision had some really interesting ideas about characters who weren't given that kind of screen time in their movies and their respect and, to movies and, and, still, loki,
3: and still managed to end with people throwing cgi at each other for an hour
1: sure that sure it did but i mean in a way yeah but also loki loki managed to do for loki some phenomenal things that i don't think anyone who had followed the loki character across 20 movies would have expected uh i don't think the boys would exist if it wasn't for telly um uh, westerns i would look at like deadwood as being a you know tremendous piece of I mean, it's just some of the best Oh, and you've
3: got the the Yellowstone universe as well, yeah, I guess.
1: Which is which is ridiculously expansive and just keeps giving. Um and uh and in action, I mean, I hate to say it because I'm a big Cruise fan, but you know, we're getting a second season of Reacher soon. We've got three seasons of Hannah. I mean, for, for Reacher for a lot of people, and I I, I kind of include that because I do see it in the new guy they've brought a lot to Reacher that they didn't do with the movies as much fun as they were in their own way, something different for Cruise. And they, if, if it's a success, they've got like 20 books and 20 stories to tell, which they can give a level of depth and interest to, which they just couldn't do with the movies before. And 20 years ago, a Reacher TV series would not look like this. I just, it's just a, an interesting time. I'm not saying they're better.
3: I'm just saying they uh, close my, the gap. My, my counter-argument to that yeah? is time. If you're spending time with a movie um, that is generally good, but has a little bit of uh, wobbliness to it, you are, or I am, I'll say, kind of forgiving of that. I, I don't mind a movie that, dips a bit because you think like they've just got stuff to get through and and that's okay it's the natural ebb and flow of pacing and some bits are going to be better than other bits with a tv show the ebb is often an hour or more of your life and that i really I'm starting to begrudge when you're watching something that you're enjoying and suddenly you hit an entire hour or two or three or four. Out of, you know, 10, 12, 15 or 22 in a full. you know, if people are still making full seasons and suddenly it's like this is a lot of my time that I'm spending on something that I am at the moment not really enjoying. Um, And I found myself Mm. feeling that with Loki season two recently, which by and large was pretty good. And I had a good time watching it overall, but there was easily two entire hours in that show where I was thinking, what are they doing? Like, this is, this is no good. Like it was good at the beginning and it was good at the end. And then in the middle, they just kind of lost their way. And my overall impression of that is that more time spent unhappy is overall like it takes a, a huge hit to my overall satisfaction watching the show. And I I um, ended up docking Loki a point after the whole season had aired compared to my my uh, assessment after the first couple of episodes. And I just I just think that. TV shows are more expectant that you just like hang out with slightly crappy writing for a bit in order to get to something that they are promising you will be good, but will not necessarily be good.
1: Mm. I can see that. I can see that because you're not ever not all the time going to get a severance.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to
1: be honest, even while watching Severance, nobody knew it was going to be that final episode. That's like one of the best episodes of TV.
3: In and I would say years. I would say the same almost about the good place a few years ago, the first season of The Good Place, which started out as a pretty fun and quite funny sitcom, and then had a final episode of the first series where you go, This I didn't know I was waiting for this, but I was waiting for this. <laughs> this is brilliant. But that's so rare. In- incredibly rare. Mm. Um, and now I can't think of a time where I've watched an entire season of TV and gone, wow, what a great season of TV. <laughs> I've gone like, yeah, that's a pretty good season of TV. Except for those bloody two or three episodes in the middle, which were not very good. <laughs> Blue Eye Samurai. Yeah, sure. That has been, I've not watched the whole thing, but I am enjoying that so far, for sure. Yeah, I would say
1: in uh, when I watch Blue Eye Samurai, uh, every episode found a way to surprise me. It, I kept thinking, oh, this is the this is the episode about some kind of diversion where they're going to just spin around for forty minutes and not really progress the story, but solve kind of some minor mission on the side. Oh no, oh no! And then it was like, this is the episode which is going to just be about a flashback. I mean, it was it's going to be a flashback episode. Oh no! You know they're going to do a flashback whilst there's a thousand to one battle scene taking place and they're going to find a way of doing those two things at the same time and build all the character. I mean, Blue Eye Samurai properly blew me away. And, um, and I would say there is, isn't a episode of that, that I, that I was disappointed in. It did definitely peak with a 35 minute pagoda cascading levels action episode which wisely was like half the length of some of the other episodes because it just it almost didn't have any dialogue it was just i've got to get through these levels um but uh but that was fabulous but i i can kind of see i can kind of see what you mean it is it is hard to give that much time you almost want to wait for the whole of the expanse to finish and then recommend it to someone that they can start at the beginning, and they'll still have to tough it out a bit, but it'll be worth it in the long run because it's some phenomenal TV.
3: I mean, yeah, oh. and I'm and I'm totally being churlish. I am absolutely being churlish about this. Like, they, uh, there are there are TV shows that I love to bits uh, that have entire seasons that are absolute garbage, like The X Files, for oh! example, <laughs> or oh! oh, oh! the first season of Buffy. Yeah, uh, first no, the first of- season. No, the first season of Buffy first is amazing, Buffy. Kaz, you're in no, pain. But I do not X-Files, like the first season of Buffy. The X-Files, when you're looking like the back half of that run, you're like, I can't think of a single episode in that series that I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and I still love it. So so there, I'm not saying that there's no room for, for things to be a little bit shit for a little while, just that I begrudge it a little more just because of the time sync, I guess. Mark's furious. Mark loves yeah, every yeah. Mark loves every episode of the X-Files. Yeah. Every my, single one.
2: My X-Files epi- episode tonight was season seven, episode one, The Sixth Extinction. That's what I watched tonight with my tea. That's pretty good. And, and I'm very much enjoying it. Uh I'm staying quiet through all this because as as you all know, uh I famously hate TV.
1: You don't uh, hate TV.
2: No, I don't I don't hate TV. I'm very much in what, what 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 tom said every what, single t- yeah i know and that that never happens, <laughs> never every, happens. every single tv show recommendation now I, it almost starts you've got to watch this it's brilliant stick with it for the first four or five episodes they're a bit poo but then and you just think so you're telling me i i have to watch four hours of crap before I might start enjoying And it's it's exactly what, what Tom was saying about that, that ebb and flow. A dull 10-minute stretch in a film is the equivalent of dull two to three hours in a TV series. I'm not prepared to, to put up with that. I think the other thing, because we, we were rowing on Saturday, we were rowing via Skype. I was in a cab going, hurtling through Manchester, trying to listen with these two, trying to change my mind about TV. And I started to think, you know, why did I love classic TV of the 90s? your buffy your x-files your next generation even a bit later your about star galactica why why was that great and now almost you know i barely made it through season one of breaking bad i turned the sopranos off halfway through season two because it
1: but you still watch you still watch tv mark you still love picard you still loved ushers strictly come dancing so
2: so yes yes and
1: used to sadly it's gone off the boil these days. Still, you still no, and and when you yeah. sit down to watch shows even new ones like Dead Ringers you you find something in them it's just uh, getting yeah, you yeah. to watch them no no yeah yeah and, and i watched dead ringers cuz you asked me to but you enjoyed it
2: <laughs> yeah but, but, but that's because i was surprised it wasn't utter turd uh no i mean but but i think i think, I think the, the the point i'm trying to make here is what 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 i what I really like in those old TV is a little bit about what you said, Kaz, about the monster of the week, is that you know you had almost a never-ending variety. And do you know what? If one episode was a bit bob, it's fine because the next one wouldn't be. But you would almost mm. you would almost expect that. And it's just like, well, they tried something, but no, it didn't work, but it don't matter because next week it'll be great. Now, here with what where you've suddenly got this now one long story arc, these 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 ebbs and flows almost feel twice as disappointing because it's it's one story. And for me, what I really like, and it's why House of Usher worked really well for me. Let's be honest, those were six mini stories bolted together in one big narrative. So in essence, it was almost like an anthology show. It was, yeah. And, it, and it's yeah. the variety, it's the variety that I like. The one season I have just watched recently, so I've never seen Peaky Blinders. So me and the wife sat down and we watched the first season of Peaky Blinders and it was pretty good we thought, do you know what? Six episodes just about hit the spot. We'll crack on with season two. And by the second episode of season two, it's like, do you know what? It's exactly the same as season one. Bloody <laughs> hell, that's it. And you know what? Click, it went off, not gone back to it. So uh, for, for me, I am, um, as as Tom said, for me, time, time is precious. And every every terrible TV episode I watch, I just think, oh, my God, that's that's two-thirds of a film I could have watched. That's two-thirds of a film I could have watched. Uh but thinking back to what I like, I like the variety, in, and it's the the TV shows now that almost hark back to those classic structures where you had almost an unending variety. And it's not about my potentially, you know, almost terminal lack of attention. It might be a little bit. Don't tell anyone. Uh, I mean, but I, 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 for me, this new golden age of TV, it's it's a lot more hiss, uh, misses than hits for me so i'm not quite there where you are yet kaz in the
1: no no i i mean i also it's a time thing i mean you're both arguing a time argument which is which is fine i mean i i uh i'm very happy with i'm very happy with that aspect because i i guess i don't get to go out to the cinema as much and there isn't as much choice at the cinema um and i'm very happy with in an evening sticking on watching an episode not always having the time for a whole movie uh, and if you watch an episode and you like that bit of tv and you have the time you can watch another episode you know so it's a strange kind of very digestible way of doing it i mean i've binged blue eye samurai pretty damn quickly so if you really like something you make the effort and if you don't then sure it takes you an undue length of time i think I think uh, the morning show, which I enjoy, I watched the first episode of the second season. I think it was on release for the premiere review, and it didn't return to it until the week before the third season was going to launch. And I was like, "Oh, I'm going to have to watch all of this right now." So some some shows just fall behind, and it is a is a time suck. I just think it's interesting that we've got to a stage where the quality is pretty good where we can talk about characters in in monarch and you know i can see that kind of running alongside the movies which is which is almost unheard of you know the marvel universe tv shows kind of running alongside the movie them doing a marvel's movie which ties into ms marvel you know i mean that's yes that's it, it is time.
2: It, it is but i think also you've got to look at them though that will in it in and of itself that will start to alienate huge sections of the audience won't it i mean look at what marvel are doing now they're oh creating, yeah they're yeah, creating a new tv line with its own little name so that people know hey you don't don't worry no homework's involved with watching and enjoying um, this but that's just Hooray. it's not
3: it's not saying no homework <laughs> though. is it saying yeah. like Don't worry if you miss it. We don't (laughs) mind if you miss it. But that's—it's
1: so stupid that I mean, picking like Echo as being a a a poster child Uh, for that line is ridiculous. Like a a secondary character in a uh, I don't even know like um a second version of a universe that once originated pre Disney Marvel with Daredevil you know attached to kingpin attached to this particular place and you're going to have echo brought in into another i mean there's so many levels of things you have to watch i'm not really surprised they went yeah don't watch anything even though it just seems so ridiculous that you would even say that about your own product why would you have to anyway uh i'm just happy with tv as it is but there's but
2: good I TV
3: and there's
2: bad TV, just like there's good films and there's bad films.
3: Yeah, uh, and I think I think there's it's it's easy to say that the production values of TV are approaching movie levels, but uh, there is not the economy of writing in TV that there is in movies, and that's the gulf at the moment for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I, I I think that's there's there's definitely areas where it doesn't work but there's areas where you know they do a true detective or they do the writing in justified is some of the best um uh, or leonard uh, i've ever ever come across
2: yeah i, I mean and it's it, it's interesting to think about so you know the, the ebbs and flows of of The the media. So where we're at now or where we were at, say, a couple of years ago with TV is almost like where we were at in the 80s with with films. And at the start of the 80s, you had the VHS boom, didn't you? And suddenly they just needed content. It's like we've got we've just got to have content. So any so suddenly you saw this explosion of people who were making this content and a lot of it was Utterly terrible, but it still sold, and of course, it fueled itself. And suddenly, you had a massive boom because distributors needed content, and now you've all on the shelf behind your head, (laughs) Mark. Exactly, exactly. But but now suddenly, you know, you've got all the streamers, and what they're all after, and it's all exactly the same. So we've seen a massive explosion in a need for content.
1: Yeah, you
2: know, and and what what amazes me is the amount of new content that seems to be coming through on these platforms almost on a weekly basis. This isn't like, you know, Netflix has got one new show coming this week. It's like, geez, it's like, hang on. Yes. There's, yeah. there's a whole row that I can't even scroll to the end of, of new on Netflix this week. And mm. so, it, you, know, with, 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 you know, you think of it as a cycle like that. Of course, you know, the exposure concept means you're gonna get brand new voices doing really good work. It means you're gonna get a load of old crap. And at the end of the day, you've just got to sift through it, haven't you? Exactly like we did. I say we exactly like other people did in the 80s, because I just lapped up all the crap. Well, I think you're doing it now.
3: (laughs) I think you can say you can say that you can sift through it, or you can also come to the conclusion that it's okay not to keep up with everything that's good. Yeah. You yes. know, if somebody tells you this TV is good, it is OK for you to be like, I believe you. I'm going to watch something else. So, yes. you know, live and let live, Tom. Exactly. What a, what a lovely
2: note to end on. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Very oh, nice. Tom's all that... pink and fluffy today. Am I? No.
1: <laughs> Coming soon. Coming soon. Next time, we'll have reviewed Ridley Scott's epic Napoleon at the cinema, uh, Fugitive on 4K, Oppenheimer on 4K, Predator Prey on 4K, Fargo Season 5 on Amazon, Apple's Slow Horses Season 3, and everything else. Just just everything else, I'm just going to say. Everything, everything else. else, yeah. Do let us, let us know if there's ever anything we've not covered that you think we should check out. Uh, that's it for the AV Forms podcast this week. My thanks to the AV team. I was going to say Simon, but he's just not here. Where's Simon? I was thanking Simon. He's right. Anyway.
2: Hi, Sai. Si. Remember Sai. Yeah, si. I Remember can't us. believe
1: you just fell asleep on us. It's just disgraceful. Just, just, disgraceful. Tom. Hello. I mean, goodbye. <laughs> and Mark. See you later. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like and subscribe to the channel. Plus, hit the notification bell so you don't miss out when we publish our live streams, product reviews, and more. If you really, really liked this podcast, then buy us, it was in bold, then buy us a coffee at slash avforums. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and bookmark avforums.com for the latest reviews, news, and videos. Plus, why not leave us a five star rating? On whichever service you choose if they allow but only if you enjoyed the show thank you for watching and listening and join us for another podcast soon